Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from Talenti. When Talenti makes gelato and sorbet, they tend to get a little overzealous. Did they need to use so many raspberries in their Roman raspberry sorbet that the machine broke? Did they need to try 25 different chai teas to find the perfect spice for their vanilla chai gelato? Did they have to invent giant mini steepers to make their Mediterranean mint super minty? Does their obsessiveness just make Talenti gelato and sorbet the greatest? You be the judge. But yes, it does make them the greatest. And they're also the judge. Talenti, the delicious is in the details. Hello, one. Hello, all. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, ever-present, Ray Harkins, coming to hang out with you and a special other person who is usually called the guest, talking about independent music, where they came up, how they got influenced by it, and uh, why they care about it so much, because uh, that's the that's the crux of the show. That's why that's the, the meat on this bone, even though I don't eat meat, so you'll, that's the veggie meat on this bone. But uh, the guest this week is Cameron Boucher, or Boucher, I don't know how to say it, because I'm not professional, but Cameron he plays in a band called Sorority Noise. He also played in a band called, uh, or technically still plays in a band called Old, Old Grey, because they released some music, uh, I want to say last year, they released a full length. But uh, this conversation was spectacular. When I announced it on last week's episode, I had multiple people being like, can't wait for this episode, can't wait for this episode, and uh, that's awesome. I always like it when people do that, so thank you. And if you don't follow the show on Twitter or any other social media, at 100 Words Podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that other stuff. But 
I got it. We have a jam-packed episode. I've got some bands to recommend you. I've got some fun stuff to talk to you about. So let's dive in, and I'll talk about Cam, and then we'll uh, get into the interview. So first of all, Rise Against. Unbelievable band. Their new record is called Wolves, and you need to pre-order it. Go to riseagainstshop.com. It comes out on June 9th, and they're on tour all summer long with Deftones, my boys in Thrice, <laughs> and it's just going to be a, a really fun tour, and I can't wait to see that roll through Southern California. And their new record... They came out with a single about two weeks ago. It's unbelievable. And they've got a bunch of awesome options as far as T-shirts, vinyl, anything you need. I approved the vinyl because uh, that's what I do, you know, uh, support the scene or something like that. But please, Rise Against, unbelievable band. Their new record is called Wolves. And go pre-order the record at riseagainstshop.com. I also have to tell you about another amazing podcast on this Jabberjaw Media Network that uh, is uh, collected because there are so many shows and podcasts out there that you you know you don't know what to listen to only when a friend or someone who you trust to kind of point you in the direction and so Pure Pleasure Podcast it's hosted by a friend of mine named Dewey I actually appeared on his show a couple weeks ago months ago I'm not exactly sure when but uh, yeah you can dive back in the archives and uh, he just had an interview with uh, Anthony Green from Seosin Circus Survive he's got great guests he's got uh, it's a very similar style to what this show does. So if you like what this show is, you will absolutely love the Peer Pleasure Podcast, and you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. So please check that out because, uh, yeah, he, he's doing a good thing. And, uh, yeah, I was a guest of the show. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, I also have to tell you about an amazing, amazing service called – and I, I use the word amazing. Maybe I shouldn't use that as much. But how about a very compelling – how about an awesome service called Symbol FM? The reason I'm so pumped on them is because, uh, yeah, I interviewed the uh, one of the founder co-owners. I can't remember exactly what his title is, but he, he's been there since the start, and uh, that's going to be in an upcoming episode. But the service is unbelievable because it's it, it, basically it makes music sharing super fun. So you can follow me on Symbol FM. Just go to symbol.fm, and you'll be able to download it, or you can download it on your uh, iOS device and basically it just uh it makes it very easy to share songs you can see what your friends are sharing and it's you know it's not lost in the other social media kerfuffle that happens out there whether it's like oh yeah i shared on instagram but like i, I don't know i gotta like dive back in and do this symbol just pulls it all right in there and uh please follow me at x purpose x that's my online moniker for many many years and so you can follow me on there and we can share music and i know a few of you have already done that so awesome keep it up Okay, and the last thing I have to tell you before we get into our interview with Cam is about an old friend, an amazing band called Holy Pinto. They're from the UK. They're, you know, indie pop, emo, whatever you like to call them. But uh, th- this track that I played uh, a couple months ago, it uh, it got a lot of people excited. Like, people wrote me and were like, what, what is that band? Where, where can I buy that record? So that's why I'm here again telling you about it, because the band's awesome. So the song is called Hospital Room, and you can check out the full length on Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp. This summer, they're releasing some new music and playing some shows in the UK, where they're from, and the United States. So follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, you'll be able to find them there and say that 100 words or less the podcast sent you. So we're going to listen to this song, Hospital Room, right now, and then uh, I will pop in, talk about Cam for a sec, and then we'll uh, pop into the episode, all right? How about that? So uh, here, here is Hospital Room. It's such a pretty hospital room. It's like an
So there you have it. That was uh, Hospital Room High Holy Pinto. Great band. So check them out. Cameron from Sorority Noise, Old Grey. Uh, this discussion was a long time in the making. We started scheduling it last year, and then we only finally got together. It was maybe about a month or so ago that we talked. But uh, this, he, him and I, uh, we just, just clicked right away. I kind of love it when I don't know a person, but I know a person, and then we start talking, and we just immediately dive into it. And uh, he was so down to have a bunch of different conversations that I don't uh, really typically go to. We talk a little bit about spirituality. Uh, we talk about a lot of fun stuff. But here, here's that chat. And I'll talk to you after the episode is over. So uh, enjoy. This last week, slept eight hours total. I barely sleep. And I got keyed into you. Uh, via Old Grey, uh, I used to help out No Sleep Records with just some. I don't know. I I, I hate to use the oh word. word. I hate I hate to use the word consultant because that makes me sound like some like corporate raider or something like that. But I was uh, some 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 corporate fat <laughs> yeah, cat, totally. some big a, a big wig. Yeah, some suit. You know, coming in to consult. But uh, yeah, someone uh yeah someone sent us the record and uh, it was one of those things where I listened to it and it was just like dude this was like really taken aback like really enjoyed it um but the thing that it would impress me the most like so I, i'm 36 years old and you know played in bands been involved in music for a, you know a long time and so i always get really excited when i hear bands that take you know from the past musical genres but put their own twist on it in order to make it you know whatever uh, palpable for people who might not have as much context as you know old farts like me or whatever but um, totally like a reverb pedal right <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> but it's just it, it seems like a very common theme in a lot of the music that you create you know from old gray to sorority noise um is that it's like you're you're you, you wear your influences on your sleeve but you're putting your own twist on it in a way that's like oh but it's still you know hit, quote unquote hip enough for the kids or whatever you know um is that yeah is that kind of always just the space that you've written in or was that something that you kind of were intentionally uh, going for when you first started to kind of, you know, experiment with music? I listen to a lot of fucking music and sometimes in a way it's like, uh, there's like too much. Like I feel like I was, especially during when old Ray was first starting, I was checking out anything and everything. 
for some guidance or because I wanted to explore. Like my favorite musician ever is Regina Spector. And then, but when I was in high school, I was like, well, obviously she was at the high point then as well for my enjoyment of her music. But I was also into this like crazy underground world of screamo that like I had this chip on my shoulder that if like you didn't know the band I was talking about, I would be elitist. And that was terrible. Why would anyone do that? Right. Like I, I look back now and I'm just like, I would say things in like, in like a high school in New Hampshire and like to some kids that, you know, genuinely didn't give a shit about what the music I listened to was and be like, do you know, like, have you heard the new, I don't know, Sweet Laloon record? And people are just like, Ab- absolutely not. Like, I have not heard that. Don't make me feel bad about not hearing it because it's it's not part of my story or my things I enjoy. So I had this this like I especially back then I was like very I was like you know how screamo can be. Some people like the people who collect screamo records just you know you know what it is. Like there's this thing in jazz too where it's kind of just like because um, I went to school for jazz. If you can't name the personnel for a record, people will like. Uh, say vibe that makes me sound really jazz people vibe you right like listen to like uh miles davis let's just say kind of blue or coltrane's blue train and if you can't name who drummed on it people are like oh really you don't know who drummed on this record and it's just like what do you mean i enjoy the record and so there's elements of that in every kind of music and i think that and through that comes like this deep obsession of a music at a certain time and then as soon as you're over it you act like you never listen to it and i think that's what bothers me is that like I have no problem like tipping my cap or lending or borrowing or not borrowing, but just like giving a nod or like at least acknowledging that I listen to all kinds of music or a specific thing. If you want to mention it in a song, um, like, I don't know. I, I like 2007 to 2000, man, let's like 2004 to 2008 was like, for me, I think like pinnacle mu- like music of my taste. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm now, you know, maybe like playing some stuff that sounds like it maybe could have been pulled off in 2005, I'm not going to act like that's not true. I'm not going to be like, no way. Like, you have no like, you, how dare you right. try and act like, how dare you act like I try and listen to music. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I, I, think, I think it's always been involved, but it never necessarily trying to like vibe on anything so much as like, you just listen to music and you take it in and you, as a music writer or a performer or a listener. Right. Right. Take that for what it's worth and apply it to your life as, as it, as it may be. So yeah, totally. I think that I've always just kind of been listening to music and I'm always trying to like take the things I enjoy. Cause it's like, I don't know. I had this thing where I was trying to write, I had like 25, examples of what I thought was the perfect song structure. Like I was like, there's only 25 structures and there's, there's so many, there's millions, but I was like working on this like thing that like, I listened to enough music where I was like, this genre, does this, this genre, this is pop music is like this. Punk music is like this. If you do this, it makes you more indie. Like I, I love analyzing music and I, I love listening to music, but it's not necessarily like most of the songs I write are done in like half an hour. So it's like, I guess when it starts, it's just like an amalgamation of different things kind of going on there. And then as it, as it evens itself out through the rest of the band being involved, that's where it kind of finds its, its place where it sits. 
Right, right. Does that make any sense? That no. felt like insane. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, I, I get, I, I see you're, tr- you're weaving your train of thought. I mean, it makes sense because, uh, you know, as you start to experiment musically yourself, you're, you're, you're going to first try to mimic the bands that you like, but then as, uh, hopefully as you start to grow, not only as a musician, but a music consumer, you're just going to start adding layers to that, you know, you're going to start bringing, totally, yeah. and I, I think that's, I, what really resonated with me and what you were saying is that people do like, you know, when I say people, I use that in air quotes as far as like the large, totally. larger listening body of people music wise is that they do you know, completely turn their backs on like, oh, dude, like I never listened to Blink One Eighty Two, and you're like, what? Well, yeah, it's just- you're like, well, fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's like, no, you did. Like, just don't act like that was. Uh, I mean, I understand that may be a time and a place for you, and you may look back nostalgically on it, but don't act like you didn't listen to it. Yeah, I mean, like, I like, I'm not gonna act like even even more so. It's just like I loved Dance Gavin Dance was a yeah. band I was really fond of growing up, and I was in the van once, and I just tweeted, I was like. Yeah, you know, Kurt Travis is my favorite dance game and dance vocalist. And not even thinking in a like totally separate world. Like that as a band that was in the metalcore territory, my bands don't necessarily touch that area. But it's just like that was a band I enjoyed. Flash forward a, a day later, Kurt and I were like ended up having a conversation about music. And I thought that was the coolest thing. I went to go see him play when he was in Philly the next time he was around here. And it's now it's like word just because Maybe not enjoying Dance Gavin Dance isn't the coolest thing I could do right now. I don't give a shit. I, I re- like it's important to respect the things that got you to where you are today. Yeah, and I, that's a band I. I just I don't know. I see a lot of people trying to shut out certain music that I know, or like sometimes I'll see someone talking shit, and I obviously I, I take nothing personally. Like people also on the other spectrum have every reason not to like a certain band, like because someone doesn't like your music that's fine. Like you, the last thing you can do is take that personally because you don't like a lot of music. I don't like a lot of music and that's based off opinions. I formed myself. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean the band sucks, but it just means it's not for me. And so when someone, but sometimes you'll see someone like, I don't know. I don't obviously, I don't look into things too much, but you'll see just in the comment section on a a forum or a blog that I still want stuff a lot. Someone be like, Oh yeah. Like old gray sucks. And it's like, I look at the name and I'm like, dog, I remember shipping. Or I go back and check my big cartel. And I'm like, I ship you a shirt. <laughs> like you, right. you ordered a shirt. So I did all my mail own mail order till about like a year ago. Like I know <laughs> I packed those packages. Like I, I read the name. Totally. And uh, it's just like, why would like, you just say like they suck now or not say they suck. But it's just like, to add, I want the comment be like, when did they suck? Like, why are you just like acting like you didn't like it at all? And that again, doesn't bother me at all. I could give a shit, but it's just strange. Yeah. But cam, you're, you're expecting people to give context on the internet. Oh my God, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even ask. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to be justified by them being like, like, what happens? Do I comment and say like, Oh really dude, here's your shipping order. Right. And they go, Oh no, I mean it like that. Like I didn't think you'd see it or right. yeah, dude, your band sucks. Go fuck yourself. I don't win in any of those scenarios. No, you no. just got to chill and be your, just know what you're doing and be on that path. And as long as I think you're a good person, it shouldn't matter what other people think. Yeah. Using, using a basketball metaphor, just shoot your shot, man. Who cares what it looks like? Totally. Yeah, totally. 
Um, I I have to kind of tie this conversation into uh, your upbringing in, uh, because were you born and raised in New Hampshire, or was that just... Yes. Okay. Live live or die, baby. Exactly, dude. (laughs) So, I have to to imagine that, um, you know, living in a state like New Hampshire, which, you know, is not ever considered a cultural hub of of anything as far as art, as far as independent music is concerned, like, you very rarely hear about bands that come from New Hampshire. Um, was that sort of isolation from, you know, being attached to a big music scene part of what gave you the ability to, you know, like a bunch of different genres of music because you didn't have people being like, Hey Cam, like that's not cool to listen to because you know, you had 10 friends that are you know judging you based on the music you're listening totally. to. Totally. Maybe. But so when I was in New Hampshire, this is not like weirdly small New Hampshire, or at least my perception, even because growing up, I knew New Hampshire was small. I didn't think that New Hampshire was like, just because a lot of my friends played sports and it was just like, you found out pretty quick that like, if you were the best basketball player in New Hampshire, guess what? Florida and California exist. Like too bad. Like you're not the best in the world. You're the best in New Hampshire, which is like, is there's a small state in the, in the corner of the country. And, uh, but there was a lot of bands I grew up loving and like, or an example of like how small it was, I guess going back was, uh, Adam Sandler graduated from my high school and spoke at my graduation uh, a whole lot of things in my life were tied with Adam Sandler and uh, his nephew Jared graduated with me uh, and uh, I genuinely didn't realize how popular of an actor Adam Sandler was until I left New Hampshire to go to school in Connecticut because I thought it was kind of just one of those like hometown hero like we watch his movies because he's in it and I like see hearing people quote Adam Sandler films outside of New Hampshire is like still strange to me because I'm just like totally never even perceived that he was like this massive monster of an actor or like famous person. Right. I just assumed we were all just rooting for him, you know, cause he's from New Hampshire. Right. And we, we had bands growing up like, like the screamo scene in New Hampshire was really, really good. There's this bank of Lantidum from around there that I grew up seeing, uh, furnace, Bravo, fucking Bravo, uh, Sinaloa from up there. Uh-huh. And I only grew up about 40 45 to an hour from Boston. So I could catch a lot of DIY stuff when my parents would let me leave the house and like travel and trust me to go to Boston because the Boston's the big city when you're from New Hampshire. I guess it's the big city when you're from really anywhere. It's a pretty big city. But uh, yeah, but I would just, yeah, book shows. But I remember when I was a senior in high school, I, Old Gray started and I started booking bands myself. And uh, had some shows. I remember I booked the first dowsing tour. was the in New Hampshire, the first Old Gray show we ever played was the first time dowsing toured. And we played a show together. I thought it was really cool. And I like the sense of community I wasn't always super involved with, but I wanted to be. And like, I would, I was like, but I was also like, I don't know. I was, I was in a lot of places. Like I was going to basement screamo shows to see like Dennis Trap Tiger and like Lion Tietum and, and things like that while wearing an all-time low t-shirt for purple bandanas and a pair of zebra skinny jeans. Right, right. You're, yeah, and you're, so... Unironically, too. Totally, yeah. I was just... I was That was who I was when I was 16. Right. And the people in the scene in New Hampshire didn't treat me... This maybe they probably did at the time, but I didn't notice. I thought I was just like... You know, I could imagine myself now being in a basement with five other people watching a screamo band play and seeing someone just as I did there. And it's just you got to know that people are coming from all different places and lending all different types of music and stylings to what they do and what they know. Yeah, yeah. And that was like a huge thing for me was just like can't judge it. everyone who's here for the gig is here for the gig and they want to experience it. 
you got to let that happen. It's important. That no, it's a very, so, it's a very crucial point because I, I think that I mean, do you look at it from the perspective of if you know you were to show up to a show and feel totally you know ostracized, judged, whatever, when it's supposed to be a space in which people can you know feel uninhibited totally but yeah. the point the point that's missed by people is the fact like yo they found out about this like that is a that is a feat in and of itself like yeah you could argue yeah. like, oh facebook invites and everything else makes it easier but like still that person found out about it and they've showed up and that says more than maybe other people who are like super involved in the scene or whatever yeah as soon as uh, it's five dollars to your touring to, to get some gas yeah, you know what i mean totally. it's it's five dollars that wouldn't have been there and the fact that anyone goes to see I like to think of it this way. The fact that anyone comes see my shit music happen live is beyond me. Like, it's crazy. Like, the fact that one person comes, the fact that 100 people come, the fact you know, no matter how many people come, it's always astounding that anyone comes to see you play music because anything can happen. The stuff, music, going to see music live is like, you gotta have a real good day in order to go do that. Like, anything can happen in your day, bad thing at work, any amount of news, any tired level of tiredness could just be like i'm gonna stay home tonight i don't know i'll just, I'll just listen to the music also buy buy a shirt or something like that online or whatever yeah the fact that people go see live music is really cool especially in the amounts of numbers people go see live music so i think it's important also to note that like the fact that anyone's supporting your band you should be intensely and incredibly grateful for yeah obviously if they're a shithead like if they're a bad person then like right. tell them off like if they don't like match a mantra or a, like a creed that you adhere to then like yeah like fuck them but if they're like doing their thing and they're just trying to get involved and like they're something you're doing is evoking some kind of emotional response in them that's the coolest shit that can happen yeah appreciate it right and your uh yeah you your your upbringing like how what was your family structure like like mom and dad in the house brothers and sisters what did what did you yeah my brother my brother's a my brother's like a basketball player and uh he's a firefighter now he's uh just about to turn 21 my mom's a teacher my dad's a mechanic so like it wasn't like everyone has in New Hampshire you think of very traditional you know music it wasn't like I was there was no plan in which this happened oh yeah (laughs) if that makes any sense like there was no way that I was going to be 23 and able to sustain pay my rent off of playing live music yeah like that was just not there was nothing I even thought about and so isn't still something that I think is, you know, fleeting or it could be, and I don't want to like be comfortable at any moment. You have to keep grinding and working to make sure that you can continue to stay in the space that you are in. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, I went, I went to, they want, they pushed me to go to college. I was going to be a communications major, ended up like getting to go to school for jazz saxophone and music production, which I know they weren't huge on. It was just like, it was very non-traditional and I'm the only person in like my extended family to do music. And, uh, but they've been supportive nonetheless, but it's just been confusing. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of the, it's hard to, it's hard to explain to your dad. Like, yes, I have no money in my bank account and I'm using half of the money I'm getting paid from work this week to drive to Boston to play a show and make no money. All right. <laughs> But I lo- I love it. Like I will, I'm I, I trust me. It's gonna be okay. Right. And like I'll work I'll work I'll work harder just to make more money or whatever. I just love doing this. So it's it's a, it's a tough sell to people who aren't. Or like I remember this. You ever heard that hardcore band Cerce? It was like C E R C E. Oh yeah yeah yeah. They played my parents' house once. <laughs> nice. And I like told them I was like please, and they were like okay yeah maybe we could have some shows in the garage if if you really, this is something you really like we can try and do it. 
that was the first and last show that ever happened at my house because it was like they were on like a war path like drummer was like punching in his his floor tom and my dad was just like mortified and my mom was like covering my little brother's ears and it was awesome the fact that something anyone can let anyone's like the fact that my parents let someone play in my garage is awesome yeah no that's and, uh, that's spectacular and so yeah, that was just a funny example of my parents and like I, for the, my mom think for about a year thought that veganism was called whole foods right <laughs> dude <laughs> actually but i mean one could argue <laughs> <laughs> one could one could argue i remember when i had a friend come when the the basis of Thursday was at my house and we were making a vegan pizza and my mom would just never looked at him and was like oh you're whole foods too and he would just lost it he was like holy shit oh that's amazing and so but they're great people and I'm, I'm grateful to have the upbringing i had but not necessarily always like was music the thing yeah. and it was always like you like i would get my guitar like taken away as punishment Mm-hmm. or like, like hidden or like that like if you don't study if you don't do well like we're like I remember one time my mom put like a garbage bag over my guitar which is like you can't play it until you finish your midterms which to me sounds like some like Matilda shit at this point <laughs> but right. it was I don't know that was just like what we that was like I loved playing music that much she knew it how do you motivate someone to do anything I don't know I'm not here to talk about the mechanisms of parenting right but uh <laughs> uh but to, yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, to, to, to your point, I mean, it make, makes sense when, uh, you know, parents are looking at what their children are doing and it's never from, um, well, usually it's not from a judgmental standpoint. It's usually just like, well, I just want you to be okay. And yeah, it's hard. It's totally. like you said, it's a tough sell when, um, you know, the, the thing that you are doing doesn't seem sustainable. doesn't seem to have like any sort of roadmap to, uh, define, yeah. define. It still doesn't. Like, yeah. I, I still get any discrepancies or, uh, confusion my parents may have about like well how is this what's going to happen next year like how do you know this is going to keep happening right. it's like i don't yeah. i have absolutely no idea but i will go to work in a job as soon as i have to but right now i can do this and i really want to so they're supportive now and i'm very grateful for it. i mean my rent in philadelphia is 200 dollars a month i keep my costs pretty low to make sure that we can i can keep doing this so i don't know they're, they're as long as i'm not I've never, I haven't asked them for money, I don't think, ever. So, uh, there we go. It's yeah, success that, to me. That is success. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June, and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that obviously, for one, matter to you, but for two, look back. Be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, 
and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Ray. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles. Like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection. In on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. All right, pardon this interruption, but this is uh, actually very, very important to me. So for those of you that have been paying attention to the show, uh, know that my wife has been uh, struggling with cancer, and it's a long and tedious journey, and uh, it's filled with a bunch of uncertainties, but um, there are things that I have been able to do in order to you know, lift her spirits, and one of them was ordering from Bloom That. Now, you know, you're going to be like, oh, flowers, like what, what's the difference between one flower company and the other flower company? This is the real deal. So Bloom That, what they do is they they cut their flowers here in the United States. And what they do is they ship them to you super fast. So by the time that you get them, the blooms will actually be happening. Because, you, you know, you've had experiences with probably other horrible flower companies that, uh, you know, you get the flowers. They don't look like what you saw on the website. And, um, you know, your your mom or your significant others like... Oh, like, th- thanks for that. It's it's pretty, but uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of left at that. This, no joke. I got these for my wife. She received them and was just like, you know, she had, she, she had some, some tears welling up. It was a very beautiful experience for me. And, you know, I wasn't doing it just to like, oh, pat myself on the back, but just to give her that experience of something that will, uh, like I said, lift her spirits. It's awesome because it comes in a nice, very nice presentation. It's got like a burlap sack around it. It has an awesome awesome vase with it and uh, trust me you your significant other your mother because mother's day is right around the corner right like and you're you're looking for that perfect gift please i mean my wife is also a mother because our son is six years old so this is the real deal and i can't recommend it enough so go to bloom that.com slash words 
And Bloom is B-L-O-O-M bat, T-H-A-T slash words. And you will find the perfect flower set for whoever it is that you're ordering it from. And it's awesome because if you use that URL, you get a free vase and caramel treats. So like, who doesn't like that? So please trust me, this, this is the real deal. This is an independent company. They are trying to, you know, take down the big boys and you don't need to order from them. Just do your mom or your significant other a favor and get them the beautiful, beautiful flowers from Bloom That. So again, bloomthat.com slash words for a premium design bouquet, free vase and treats. Please don't wait. Bloomthat.com slash words. Boom. I solved your problems. Now on with the show. The way that you're describing, you know, your your environment and how you're raised, I mean, you definitely had a artistic spark inside of you and you, um, you know, you maybe didn't gravitate towards, uh, some of the activities of what your peers were involved in, in high school and stuff like that was, was old grade technically your first band that you started to like play out with shows with and, you know, kind of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my first, that was, that was like my first band that I like, I think anyone ever heard outside of my high school. Okay. Um, but I, I started playing in bands when I was in, I started playing guitar in like eighth grade and, uh, February of that year, one of my closer friends, uh, Andrew Allard passed away and, uh, uh, he had bacterial meningitis and, uh, he was like one of the instigators in getting me involved in playing guitar. So I was like, well, I'm going to continue to play guitar, um, because it's what he would want me to do. So I ended up you know, working my ass off and being, and I just ended up playing in his spot in the band. And I couldn't really play guitar. I just like learned what I had to learn and filled that spot. It was a Christian rock band called AKL. Um, and then from there I went and started a post rock band called no man as an Island. Uh, cause I, I in fact did take, um, junior year English and I believe it was John Don. He has a poem called No Man's Island. I don't know. Maybe it's Sean Don. No, Sean Don is like Jay Z, right? Yeah, Sean. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Sean. No, Sean. Sean. John. Sean John. That's that's P Diddy. Yep. Yeah, okay. Okay. You know what? I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not what we really came here for to identify the totally. the, the, the brand clothing and who owns it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and that was a post-rock band. No vocals. I couldn't sing for any... Old Grey only started... Only... We screamed because I didn't know, one, how else to deliver the words, and two, because I couldn't sing. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that... No Man's Line was a band, and that's when Charlie, who drums in Sword Noise, drums in Old Grey. We've been best friends since I was 16, and he's played in every band I've been in pretty much since. Um, so that's where we started playing in that band. And then I got mad at Charlie and started another band called I think Talazita and that's the only one of my like previous bands to Old Grey and Sword Noise that's on um, Bandcamp still I think and uh, that was like I thought I invented twinkling emo music with that band like I like was like finger tapping and like some yelling and stuff and I'd never heard like any anything of the like Algernon anything of that type of music and then I had this one friend that I showed him what I was doing. And he's like, Oh word, it sounds a lot like this. And send me like a Midwest pen pals or an Algernon thing. And I was like, Holy shit. What's this? He was like, dude, it's like a whole like, genre of music. And I was like, 
God damn it. I thought this was, I thought I was bringing something new to the table. And, uh, then old Grace started right after that. And then that's kind of how that went. All those bands before that. Got it. Got it. Um, and once you started to, uh, you know, play out and experience shows and, you know, go out of town, uh, did you immediately take to life on the road or was that something you learned how to grow accustomed to as you did it more? Uh, I didn't, I wanted to play out a lot more than I did growing up. I remember one time, cause like, again, like I was very important in my household to like work and like have a job and, and do that. Cause I worked at a grocery store for like seven years, six, seven years. And, uh, I used to ask my boss and it was, but it was right down the street from my house. So I'd ask my boss for time off cause I wanted to go play a show, but didn't want to tell my parents because I knew they wouldn't let me drive to Connecticut or drive to like Pennsylvania to play a show. Right. So I'd ask the and I thought it was so cool. I'd tell my boss, I was like, I'm going to play a show in Connecticut. And she's like, awesome, sweet, take the day off, do you. And then my mom would come in and like look at the schedule and be like, oh, why is Cam having this day off? And she's yeah. like, oh, he's going to play a show in Connecticut. And I'm like, and she's like, oh, no, he's not. And so I like, there was countless times where like old grade bailed on shows because I just got it. I was just like, oh, we'll go play this thing. It won't be that big of a deal. And my mom was like, it's a Wednesday. You're still in high school. Why are you going to Pennsylvania tonight? And I was like, oh, we'll be right back. And she's like, no. It's just like, I don't know. That's just how it went. And so, uh, but I did love, went on our first tour with, uh, first tour I ever did was with William Bonnie, Empire Empire, and Perfect Future. And that was like six days. From, I booked it myself from New Hampshire down to D.C., and it was like it was crazy it was still like a, again I wasn't anticipating like making a living off of it so it was really just like fun not that it's not fun now but it was like you were going into it saving up some money planning to lose it like it was like a vacation it was like cool I'm gonna play some music my, like do what I love with my friends because I saved up and worked you know, 80 hours a week for a couple weeks just to go out for this one week and so Back then it was I loved it. It was incredible. We had our first tour everyone on. We had our van broken into. We had played a couple seven band gigs, had some houses fall through, played a back someone's literal back porch in like suburban New Jersey and played a you know, it was it was something I had never experienced before. So it was yeah, I guess it was addicting in that nature that I just like immediately couldn't think of the next time I was couldn't wait to think of the next time I could be able to go out and play music again yeah I I, I like the way that you describe it because it definitely is when you first start playing out it does feel like an addiction where you're just like you look for places to play in your surrounding like you know four hours and you're just like wherever there is something happening like I would like to go there and I'd play play in front of people totally 100% yeah it's yeah it's so it's so interesting um you know, something that's been uh you know poured over in regards to you and the release of the the new record and everything is you know your spirituality and you calling yourself christian um you know you identifying with that label because you know i think it's so um i mean i i'll front load it by saying i myself you know identify as a christian even though there's a lot of things i don't agree with in regards to religion as a whole um but i i find it so interesting because so many people uh, the way that they speak about it in you know the other pieces that people have done on you is that it seems like oh this seems like an oxymoron like he believes this and he calls himself Christian but then he believes this um, you know I mean for people who I believe are similar trains of thoughts to like maybe you and I and granted I'm projecting here but uh, 
the uh, it's it's a personal choice you know it's the uh, the relationship that you have with you know your spirituality is is very individual and uh totally i i just yeah i don't know i mean have you found it strange that like you you have to i, I feel like you have to like vouch for yeah your, go, coming your, up in like i've worn ran across since like I was probably in 11th grade or like I have a crucifix I wear on my neck that my mom gave me. Uh-huh. And even early in shows, even now if I still went to houses and like I would play a show or something like that, it would pop out. Um, people would be like, oh, what's that? Like, and I was like, oh, this is like my crucifix. And they're like, what, what do you, why you, why you, why is that your vibe? They're like, what, what's with that? And it's just like, what do you mean? What's with that? Like we're, we're supposed to be in this place that i don't know we're just like all trying to see it doesn't necessarily mean that like i dislike homosexuals because i'm a christian like that's why i separate myself from catholicism and a lot of other beliefs because there's there's very few social issues i believe in that any church has that i've come to find that i uh, see similarly with i'm sure you're on the same page but it's like okay well i obviously believe in a higher structure and believe that there's something greater than myself but i don't necessarily believe that i'm obviously pro-choice and like uh as strong of a supporter as i can be for the lgbtq community and uh religion doesn't always match up with that and so it's uh i think there's no need to i for me personally to identify as as a anything but a kind of a Christian or just a God fearing person, I guess in general, because I don't identify with a lot of the social structures that they imply. Yeah, no, I, I like I like that uh, the, the the terminology of that. I think is important just because <clears throat> I do think. I mean that if I. I personally am pushed like people, you know, like, well, are you Christian? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess technically I, I am because I believe in, in God and I believe in, uh, you know, some of the things that are attached to it. But then your religion, it's a man-made thing. So by definition, it's imperfect. Totally. It's imperfect. Yeah, 100%. And so anyway, I just find it like in the research I was doing for this, I just found it very interesting because I think so many people have written from it from that perspective. And I'm just like, oh, well, like that's, again, that's just kind of, you know, who you are as a person and that, that should, yeah. that should really that shouldn't really be at odds with like oh like well you you smoke weed so therefore you're burning in hell in eternity yeah totally yeah no not at all <laughs> uh i hope not <laughs> yeah, I, I, I technically none of us know but <laughs> totally yeah that's the thing is also you'll never know so why let someone influence your own fear of god yeah Has like you should have your own thing that you are specifically putting it in because as soon as you get to i think it's I don't know, probably Vonnegut once in like, uh, is it Cat's Cradle or something at one point he talks about, um, as soon as we know God, or we try and understand God, but if we were to understand God, he would be no greater than we are. Mm, yeah. Because that's the whole point is the mystery and the greater power. So it's like a lot of people are trying to influence you on their beliefs and their systems and their structures that are man-made. And it's like, sure, you can adhere to that if that's something that you find uh, place of value in and, and merit but if you don't then you should not feel any pressure to adhere to any specific religious standard or at least I don't think so yeah because Jul- uh, when Julian Baker was doing a lot of interviews for her record when it came out last year or so uh, or two a year and a half ago there was a lot of interviews that I thought were like so funny she's a really like good friend of mine and uh, it would say like the headline for the interview would be like Julian Baker is queer from the south and Christian, Christian. yeah totally and it's just like 
I would just screenshot and be like, Julian Baker can breathe and wear his pants. Like, it's so weird to, like, have those be your defining qualities because it, or like have people make a narrative out of that. Like, I don't know. It seems strange to me. Yeah, totally. Do you, uh, so, something I've also found interesting, especially just because you, you know, since story noise is, uh, you know, getting more attention and, you know, you're playing larger shows and that sort of stuff. Um, how has the concept of, you know, people and especially too, because you speak about, you know, dark subject matter, um, that is directly related to a time in your life that you might not be experiencing now, but people, totally. But people clearly listen to it and project on you. Um, you know, I, I know this is probably a complicated question, and there's like five different ways that you can answer this. But um, have you had to kind of learn how to, um, I guess, it, not only interact with people at shows, but then be able to, um, you know, kind of go through these emotions over and over as you play these songs out? Yeah, it takes a, it takes a certain amount of emotional availability to do either of those things, um, and a lot of times I don't have the capacity to do both. Um, so um, when we play, we don't have a set list, so I kind of just navigate us through what songs we're playing based on how I think I can handle them. Because genuinely, there's some songs that's hard to play some nights, and I'm going to be the first to admit that. And to be able to have to look down in a set list. And keep thinking like, okay, in three songs, I have to do this one song that I don't know if I'm going to be able to like really do because it's difficult to, to perform in the current headspace I am. And it'll either I'll either act with no emotion and it'll be upsetting to me, or I'll have all my emotion in it and I may like lose spin off the handles a little bit. And at the same time, after a show or before a show, I want to obviously talk to anyone and everyone who can who has came to support me or has taken anything away from the music I've done but sometimes it's very hard especially because I, I struggle with manic depression like uh, dealing with anxiety as well that is outside of the person that's asking me the question but sometimes maybe someone will ask me a question or like maybe we'll want to take a picture or something like that and there's been times where I would have been I say that like genuinely I feel really anxious right now I need to go back outside to smoke a cigarette or just go for a walk i really appreciate this maybe if we catch up in a bit if i see you again i would love to do this I, and i want people to know i don't want people to think like because you know next thing it is is someone turns around and says yo cam sucks he wouldn't take a fucking picture with me and then it turns to a hundred people saying like yo cam sucks he's just a bad dude because like without and then it's research i want people to know as much as i can that like obviously i would love and i'm gratefully appreciative appreciative of everything that they have done to support me, but sometimes I'm, it's just like, I'm not in the emotion of emotionally available space to be able to interact with other people. Just as like in the same way, I, some days I can't even talk to my bandmates. Like it's not, it's nothing against anyone at a show personally or against a performance or something I'm doing. And it's hard to communicate, but I've tried to navigate that over the past two and a half years of like really touring to try and be able to like be open with what I'm going through. And hopefully people understand and not just think I'm a dick. Yeah, totally, totally. And I, I think too, there's always the, um, the, the fear that especially cause the worlds that, you know, we come from of, you know, playing basement shows and all ages venues and all that sort of stuff. And then once you start to enter the world of, you know, rock clubs and things are a little bit slicker, still comfortable, but slicker, um, has has that been an easy adjustment for you to be like okay like now um you know i can actually hear myself on stage or like you know those those nice things then coupled with the fact you're you know trying to keep the shows intimate i imagine as well uh one funny story about that is i've never used in-ears and in-ears is like a thing people use a lot yeah 
Um, and uh, Chris Krabba, who sings in Dashboard Confessional, asked me to play a subordinate song during a Dashboard set. Like in the middle of the set, I went and played a song of ours um, that he ended up covering for uh, an EP put on Spotify. And um, there was no monitors on stage. So I barely even use monitors in the first place. Like I appreciate them. Right. Sometimes it just like sometimes it just like it. Sometimes it just you can put too much in there or too little, and you end up depending your whole thing on that. But sometimes the stage is too big to not take anything in there because your guitar amp is fucking forty five feet away from you, and uh, how else are you supposed to hear it? So well, Chris was like, "You use your use these in ears, and you can hear yourself while you play." And I was like, awesome. And so I put the inners in, played the song, came off stage and was like, whoa, those like, those were crazy. It sounded like, it sounded awesome. And while I'm going to hand them to the dude back to put away in like, I realized that they weren't even plugged into the box behind that. I was, I just heard the stage. Like I wasn't hearing anything in the headphones because they weren't plugged in. Right. And I was like, God, that says probably says a lot for me, I guess, as to like, I don't know. I'm not too specific. I grew like again growing up playing basement shows and house shows. It's like you, it literally sounds terrible. <laughs> it doesn't sound. There's been few and far between bands I've seen in a basement, and I get blown away by energy and I get blown away by like emotion someone puts into it. But there's very rarely I get blown away by the way someone sounds because it's usually through a broken, usually through a broken PA, and you kind of just like use your brain to EQ it, and you're like, okay, this sounds theoretically good, and uh, so yeah, I guess I guess I don't have much. Uh, taste for like a specific monitor mix or anything specifically like that and uh i'm just i can hear my voice so that's good i don't even like to hear my voice i kind of just like yeah i don't know i don't really it's it's interesting it's two totally different worlds because you'll yeah play it yeah and because old gray will still play like house shows and, and diy spots a lot um so within a couple of days, I could play a venue that maybe had open for a band that's 2,000 people are there and play to 40 people the next day. And you know what I mean? And I love that. Right. And I think, and so you kind of, I'm in this place where I'm not, it's not like I'm, because Sorgans gets the opportunity to play really big shows, it's not like I'm not still attending or performing in DIY or house shows and spaces or just like DIY like venues and whatnot. So it's nice to never really have anything specific. So I never get used to consistency of how I'm supposed to sound. I just always use a different guitar amp. Right, right. Well, I mean, that's that's uh, yeah, that's interesting because you know because you can live in two worlds. You get two different experiences, and then you're able to appreciate the pros and cons of each one as you kind of you know evolve through both of those. And you know, as long as you still um, enjoy aspects of both, then you're going to be you know a more well-rounded person because of it. Totally. Yeah, I completely agree. The, uh, or at least under, I appreciate your understanding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Definitely. Pardon me. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Interruption one last time, but like I said, this show is jam-packed today. We got a bunch of fun stuff, but here this is. Swordfish. This band is goddamn unbelievable. My friend Joe, who runs the label, Take This to Heart Records, sent it to me. I was immediately taken by it, and I was like, yo, we, we, we got to figure this out, man. I got to play this song on here. So the song is called Ghost Song. I'm not going to describe it anymore other than the fact that it is American football-influenced indie rock. It is beautiful. Here's the song. And please, just go, go pre-order the record. It's Take This to Heart Records. Well, you don't even need to pre-order it because it comes out on May 5th, which is like in a couple days. So just go dive in, stream the record, buy the record. Just do it, okay? You'll listen to the song, and then we'll go back in the interview with Cam, and you will thank me for it. And a nice little note is the fact that Cam also mastered this record. So that's that's a personal touch to the reason why I'm describing this. So anyways, Swordfish, song's called Ghost Song. Take this to heart records. Do it up. More like a holes cut out that I wore last Halloween so that you couldn't see my mouth when I
about anything or the snow And it wasn't long until I had nothing The thing I find uh, interesting too about um, you know everybody is, uh, speaking about you know more specifically the your your newest record um, of just you know like oh my gosh he talks about you know friends dying and you know suicide and like everything else that um, you know the way that people speak about it is like a lot of these subjects like haven't been broached before in music and it's like well no like this people talk about really dark and depressing stuff like all the time and I'm not saying that you are being like, oh, my record is wholly unique. It's wholly unique for you because it's your experiences. Totally. But are, are, you, are you surprised that people are, I guess, reacting to it where it's just like, oh, Cam, like, are you okay? Is this like, this is really dark stuff. Like, you know, how is that kind of sitting in your head? I think it, it definitely weirds me out when someone tries to build a narrative out of it. Uh, is like, because I understand that, like, on paper, story-wise, it looks you just say dude had some friends pass away. Here's the album. He wrote about it. Right. And people are like, Ooh, yes. He struggles. Like this must be heartbreaking. And it is, but there's a lot of things in life that are heartbreaking. And I, one thing that concerns me especially is the tokenization of like my friends who passed away. It's like, by no means do I want this to make this like, you feel bad for me or feel bad for them. It's like you, no one knows them except for my friends that know, knew them and myself. And it's hard sometimes when people try and spin it in a way that it is like, you're so strong for singing about these things. It's like, well, that's what music is for. And there's no part in my process where I'm ever anticipating that you're going to hear it. Like I just write the song and then I happen to play in a band and then that band happens to put out music and that's where I'm at now. So it's, uh, it's scary to sometimes kind of, cause people have also asked, like, do you think that you will stop putting yourself like out there or talking about things? And it's like, well, what am I going to talk about? This is like, what's going on in my life. This is what my brain is thinking about. Should I fake other music or pretend like the other, like other things are happening that isn't this, there's, I, this is, these are the thoughts that are in my head. And so, I definitely struggle with the idea that building a narrative out of someone's grief is however important to make people read and get to know the band. And I'm grateful for that opportunity, but it is frustrating to me when it is about real human beings involved in my, my life. 
Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, and especially uh, not to get morbid about it, but people who clearly can't have a response about it, you know, like it's it's a different story if this is, you know, your one sided version of a relationship gone wrong. And not to say that, you know, people on the other side of that song written by millions and millions of bands have ever come out and are like, oh, no, here's like my side. I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, maybe publicly with like huge, huge, you know, movie stars and music stars have. But yeah, totally. But yeah, but there's the, the I understand your uh, preciousness about it where it's like, OK, like I appreciate that, you know, people are identifying with this. But, you know, the re- the real point of this is to capture uh, or, or maybe I'm just putting words in your mouth, but capture the emotion of the moment as opposed to um, let this person, like you said, become a token. Totally, hundred percent. Yeah, that's it's, it. Is like based in songs are a snapshot for especially me, like a specific moment. It's not necessarily lending itself to the uh, way I feel all the time. Yeah, but certain moments or certain days or certain weeks are harder, and uh, that's what it's, like it may not be. I may have a. I'm not able to, like I'm not able to talk about a lot of the emotions I think that I feel in some of the songs I write because they happened in that moment and that emotion was specific to how I was feeling then. It's not like I don't know. You don't like drop your hi- Lincoln Park hybrid theory CD on the floor and it breaks in half and you, you you don't think about it for the rest of the week. You think about it when you want to listen to Lincoln Park. Yep. Totally. <laughs> yeah. That, does that make sense? No. Yeah. It it absolutely does. Um, there's two last things I want to hit on before I let you go. One of them is the uh, notion that you actually, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, you did your mail order up until a year ago yourself and you seem to have, uh, a mind for the creative side of the band as well as the, you know, business side of the band as well. Just be, you know, booking shows. And, you know, even though a lot of the times when we're doing these things, we don't view it as business moves. We just view it as moves that you're making in order to exist as a band. But totally did that side of the band and the bands that you played in come naturally to you? Or did you kind of need to learn how to do that? Um, or do you just like not care for it at all? (laughs) Like the business side? Yeah. Yeah. Totally had to learn. I was in a band with, uh, Two people that started in Old Grey were not like, uh, I really wanted to do it, so I had to constantly work. I remember, not work, but like I would do anything to like try and, I don't know how to phrase it, it sounds weird. Um, an example, one time in 2013, I went to see Bonavire and We Were Skeletons play a show. I think Old Grey actually may have played that show at uh, Wacky Castle in Austin, Mass. And I knew Kevin Duquette, who had the Top Shelf Records, would be there. And uh, so I burned a CD of the new old Grey record I recorded. This, uh, and I wanted to hand it to him. Because I knew that was the only way. Because he wasn't going to look at my email. I was just another email, a drop of the hat. And so but I didn't have like the courage to give it to him at the end of the day. I ended up just throwing it away in the trash can. Um, because I got like scared of the scenario. But then I followed up a million times. And I was always, you know, I think the term punishing, like I was literally punishing people. Oh yeah. And into like getting to know me or letting me into their life and letting them, you know, hitting up people relentlessly booking, like my booking agent now, Greg Horball, who, but I like is now a really dear friend of mine. And I'm, he's been booking us since he was still in, like, in his house. But I like 
punished him. I would send him a band a day being like, yo, you ever heard this band? Thinking it was like the right move. Like I was just trying to get my foot in the door so that I could get my next foot in the door. And then eventually I could be in the door. And I still don't even feel like I'm in the door. I still feel like I'm constantly throwing feet out. Um, but I just think that it's like, I don't know. I would, I would stay. There's like countless examples of like, I don't know. I would just like, been nothing meant more to me. So I would, I would like sit outside for a couple hours if it meant meeting someone like knowing they were doing maybe a session at a radio station. I would just like bring them food and try and time it. So they're back. It sounds insane, but I just like knew that networking was the way to get to the place that I want. And that's the sad truth of it is that like, maybe my bands aren't even that good. Maybe I've just been able to meet people that have maybe felt pity on me to just, to just support what I do. I don't, it's weird kind of perception that you get with that. Right. But I was just like, there was, there was relentless. Like when I was starting off and, by the time I think maybe 2014 or 20, yeah, 2014, I probably clicked like something shocked into me. And I was like, Holy, what am I doing to these poor people? And then I completely reversed. So now I'd like, obviously still like get to know people. And, but now I'm like in more of a headspace of like, I'm going to do my own thing. And if someone wants to talk to me about it or check it out, like that would be C, but I'm not going to force it on anyone anymore but i think it's important that you kind of have to do that starting off unless you're like i don't know steve Vai. it's like i don't know you yeah. have to you have to like get it in somewhere and some people are very lucky that they get supported from the beginning with some people work 5 10 15 years just trying to get absolute punk to post about your band and it's important to know that that there is constantly a grind and that you can't really stop especially if there's a something that you truly want to do with it yeah, no, that's a really, and I think the important point that you were making there too is like there's a right way and wrong way to do things. And when you start to realize, like, oh, maybe what I did previously, like you said, you know, stalking people, um, you know, maybe it wasn't the right, Literally. yeah, well, like wasn't the right, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the right approach, but like it did, you know, yield me these, these results. So, like, maybe in the future, I'll do a different version of that that won't be as you know you know it can't be written off because i was a 14 year old kid you know it's like you if you if you did that behavior now when you're you know 23 24 years old people would just be like yo that camp dude's weird man he just yeah totally right? <laughs> yeah luckily i was i had the youth beneath my wings right. i had the uh man goes to manchester central high school still in my facebook bio so they knew that i was a toddler right yeah they're like <laughs> you're like this, this yeah we gotta we gotta give this kid some time in order to know that uh, yeah he's fine i'll listen to this stupid ep <laughs> of his friends thing he sent me yesterday six times yeah totally <laughs> yeah so, so even six uh six separate emails one song and it's just like dude you're you're, you're killing it man <laughs> yeah. yeah like it's so weird i don't know there was like a time in my life where i even like it just comes also with anxiety too like i would uh this sounds maybe completely insane but i used to be so anxious about phone calls and calling people that like this is probably like when i this is definitely when i started a flip phone maybe seventh or eighth grade i would call someone and hang up immediately and then when they called me back i would act like i didn't call them and be like, oh, oh, that must have been my phone on like my button. How's it going? And that would be like ease over my anxiety into the conversation. And it was, it sounds crazy, but like that was just something I did when I was younger. I don't know why, but it was like the anxiety of trying to force you like to make someone interested in you or talk to you or feel like they have any obligation or reason to have any talk, have a conversation with you that's from a very bare bones standpoint where I was at. So yeah, well, yeah, you're kind of stride. 
Right. That's you have to take it in stride, rather. Yep, that's where you're, that's where you're coming from. So that's that uh, that's the reality that you dealt in. Does that sound weird, dude? How weird does that sound? No, no, dude, that doesn't sound <laughs> honest. Well, everybody goes through their their ticks of what calms them in situations that may seem normal to most people, and so it's like, yeah, you know what uh, a phone call was to you at that time. You know, m- many people would be like, oh, there's no way that I could ever like, you know, get a get get a guitar and stand in front of people whereas like you know you would be like oh yeah that's like that's not a problem at all or whatever yeah totally yeah sometimes i find it difficult I'm like oh what do you mean you can't just like play the guitar in front of these people it's like this is, this is normal this is what you just see <laughs> um but then there's other things you don't talk about like i up until a week ago was informed do you ever go up the stairs on your hands like an animal oh yeah yeah i thought i never talked to anyone about that but that was the weirdest thing i did <laughs> I would like do it in privacy and like, like I would like you're home alone. You're straight taking up the stairs to your bedroom and you just, you put both front of your hands on there. Give yourself an extra push. Yeah. And, and one of my roommates saw me doing it. I was like, I felt like I was naked. I was like, Oh dude. Yeah. That was this crazy. Why were my hands on the stairs? He was like, we're well, going to act like everyone doesn't do that. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, everyone does that. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. So we all have idiosyncrasies that we don't, we all, we all have things that we don't think other people relate to and that's the part of the thing about music too is that you find out maybe this one thing this person does in a song you also do and you're like oh shit this is crazy like we're both i'm not the only one right and that goes on a, a multitude of levels and surfaces so yeah no but yeah the, i never knew it was okay to walk upstairs in your hands it's probably still not cool right well it's it, you don't know until you express it and hopefully you're totally. and, and hopefully you're expressing it in a, in a safe enough place where it's just like one person you know, can bounce off you where you're like, yo, do you do this? And they're like, no, man. And then you be like, all right, cool. I'm not talking about that with anybody anymore. <laughs> yeah, me, me either, dude. Ask, asking, me either. asking for, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, the last thing I wanted to hit on was the, um, you know, the, the fact that, uh, I mean, you've mentioned in other places, but then, you know, you mentioned earlier in the conversation where, um, you know, you're, you're making a living off your music now where you don't have to, you know, hustle to find, you know, a bagel shop job in between tours and stuff like that. You have enough to be able to subsist yourself on, you know, whatever your $200 or rent a month in Philly. Um, the you know it, it is it one of those things where you uh you basically just feel like you kind of mentioned at the top where you're just going to ride this out as long as it it feels appropriate um and i guess until the creative ideas run dry um it, is it one of those things you'll always find yourself creating even if you aren't you know a full-time quote-unquote touring musician how does that totally sit? okay i think so i think fully i i just don't i wear i wear tight I, i'm wearing um well i'm at I've been wearing the women's super skinny jeans from H&M since I was about 18. And I had the thought the other day, it was like, when is this going to stop? Like, when am I going to start wearing normal pants like rest of society? Right. And I couldn't. I was like, I don't know. That time will probably come when it does. Like, someone will buy me a pair of jeans and I will, excuse me, we'll just wear them. That's just, I don't know how, when, I don't know when that's going to happen. And the same thing goes for music. It's like, I am very fortunate to be in the position I am now. And it's because I'm not like, I work at a recording studio, I'm mixing bands, I'm mastering records, and I'm like constantly working on trying to produce different bands and, and help with that stuff. So I feel like, regardless of not having to work a job outside of music, I'm still working as hard as I can, um, constantly just because that's what I know. And it just like makes sense to me. I have to have some sort of regiment to my life. Otherwise, I feel like I'll just go fully insane because it's such a weird type of like the idea of 
go on tour for two months, come home and do whatever for a month before you do it again. I don't know. It's not very conventional and it's hard to build relationships with friends or keep in touch with people through that type of way of surviving. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Will, uh, I, I, yeah, I think I, I also just like, can't like, I see myself not being creative for a while when that time comes, I don't know. But if there comes a point in my life where I'm just satisfied and there's nothing that's going on in my head, I hopefully wouldn't write music. I'd, the last thing I'd want to be would be to someone to be to force an idea or a music musical concept or a story that isn't necessarily relevant to my life as a whole. And so, yeah, totally. I could see myself again. That could be also be any day. I could today from starting off this conversation, it could take me three years before I wrote a song again. For some reason, who knows? And I would rather just ride that out, maybe play in a band as like a rhythm guitarist or a bassist or something like that. As long as I just get to keep playing music, I could really care less about what I have to do to do it. I just do it. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's such an important point because the idea that, uh, that to me, the saddest thing about watching, you know, your average citizen is what I like to call them, where, you know, your, your person, yes, yes. your person that get, you know, gets beaten down by the, you know, daily rigors of life, whether it's like, you know, showing up to work and working so hard and then, you know, you get home and there's no time for anything to explore. And that, that, you know, when they, when people give up their creative pursuits, even if they're just doing an hour in the, uh, of the week, that's when it's become sad where it's just like, dude, don't give up on that thing. Like that's when you just become, you know, the, whatever the, the zombie human being that everybody, you know, tries to rally against in the first place, but the sentient being exactly, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I I really like your uh, view and philosophy on that because, you know, as, yeah, you're not going to be incredibly prolific and inspired, you know, for 80 years of your life. There'll be like a couple of years where you're just like, oh, yeah, I just like to like live life, you know, like just do my yeah, I just I do my thing. And I think that is ideal for everyone. Everyone wants to hit that. Yeah. And so it's like, why? If you can't write music and can't be creative, obviously, I think there's other avenues to do it in. But like, why force creativity in a place that it's not? able to exist yeah and i think that's when you're gonna write stuff that you don't necessarily like without putting anyone on the spot i'm trying to think like i don't know i don't think of like like dave bazan is someone who is i've never heard a song he, he didn't write that didn't seem full of intent yep or have something behind it like in my opinion i don't think he's i've never really heard a dave bazan song that was bad or a song that mostly because my definition of bad is something that doesn't evoke emotional response and I think that everything he's done and touched, and I think he's a person that wouldn't do anything if he couldn't. And, uh, but you see, I mean, like Isaac, Isaac Brock isn't going to write fucking, it's a long, long drive with nothing to think about now. Right. He wrote, he wrote that because he was in that place. So he wrote means, uh, or he wrote, I'm trying to, that. wow, I'm on live. Air, and I'm stuttering on my modest mouse discography. Well, now. well dude, it's okay. Uh, it's okay because I, I legit hate mod, modest mouse, so I can't help you. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm leaving you high and dry. But anyways, you're, you're oh, point, anyway, your point. Uh, I'm trying to think. What is it? Uh, Lonesome Credit West. That's the record I'm thinking of. There you go. But he wrote that because he was. Or I imagine he wrote it because that was the experiences he was going through at the time. Just as I wrote this record because of the experiences I did at this time, and the same reason that. You know, Carly Rae Jepsen did her record at the same... We all have specific time and places in which we do our records. Yep. And, uh, yeah, but if you really like a band because of something they did once, you 
think I think you'd probably be a fool to, to like them hoping they do it again because it's just not going to happen. And if it does, it's probably going to that person's probably got a really weird life. <laughs> but every record should be different because you don't want to copy yourself, and you should be. In my opinion, I know I'm throwing a lot of hard stances out there with the word "we," but. Uh, yeah, I just think it's and so to listen to Modest Mouse now, you have to go into it saying, okay, he's a Isaac Brock is a dude of different experiences now. Or if Nick Jonas was to put a new record out tomorrow, I'd be like, well, he's not in the Jonas Brothers anymore. He's probably a twenty-five-year-old dude that maybe I'm gonna at least give this a shot again because he's not the same person he was when he was in the Jonas Brothers or anyone for that matter. I think it's important to always you got to go into each record with a different ear and not hope to hear what you heard before because hopefully they don't have the same thing, same stuff to say. Totally. People can shed people can shed their artistic skin and all of a sudden be a new being and be like, Oh wow, like that that is a very honest representation of, you know, what they were like and what they like Adam McCoy, who I don't really know personally, but he went from being in Tiger's Jaw and now he does uh uh what's his project now called? Dude, you got me, man. I didn't know that he wow. did another project. Yeah, he has he does like uh I don't remember what the genre would be called, but he does like uh very like it's a it's a definitely it's a separate kind of subculture than Tiger Shy existed in, and he's Wicked Face. Wicked Face Spring Eternal is what the project is called. Okay, and it's just really it's this thing that he quit Tiger's Shy, I believe, to do, and that's awesome. And so that's a different sphere he found himself in, and people do that all the time. You can totally do what you want to do whenever you want. You can do what you want to whenever you want to. In the words of Elliot Smith. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's just important to know. You shouldn't be pigeonholed to one sound or one vibe yep totally agree well cam this has been awesome i really appreciate your time and hey yeah it was it was enjoyable for me i'm i'm glad that it was uh engaging for you as well <laughs> this is great yeah this is really awesome dude all right this episode is so good <laughs> i'm not gonna lie how about how about cam just being a great dude great conversationalist love having this discussion and the fact I just felt like this was like a perfect balance of exactly what it is that I'm trying to execute. So, you know, you have some sponsors, you have some some new music that I put in your ear. You had a great discussion with a person who is, you know, very up and coming, relevant, everything that's happening within music currently. And I just, uh, yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for joining on this this ride. Thank you very much for Cam. Thank you very much for Emily, his publicist, who helped hook this up. And uh, Zach, his uh, manager, who's a good friend of mine and uh, just a good dude. Just want to give him a shout out. So uh, anyways, that is that. The music, as always, that is supplied to this show is Lowercase Noises. He has a new record coming out, The Swiss Illness. It's coming out very, very soon, a couple weeks. Go to lowercasenoises.com. You can pre-order it. Check it all out. It's beautiful. I've had the honor and privilege of working alongside of him to gear up to the release to it. And uh, it's awesome. So yeah, that's that. And uh, next week is Josh Skogan. He is on the show, and he is the vocalist for 68, and he also played Norma Jean and The Chariot. He, this is also another person who I had on my list for quite some time, and then the opportunity arose, and I was like, hey, let's go ahead and talk to him now. So, boom, there you have it. And uh, we're also approaching the five-year anniversary for the show. I, I've been kind of tossing around whether or not I should like make this a big deal. And frankly, I don't care. Like, I mean, I care in the sense that the show has existed for five years, but these arbitrary markers of like, oh, the fifth year episode needs to be like this extravaganza. And I'm like, how about I just make it another episode? So yeah, how about that? Anyways, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's going on in my head. And uh, I hope that you have a great rest of the week and a great rest of the day, whatever it is that you're doing. And uh, please be safe, everybody.
You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top ten for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.